0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news, recorded this week from various places of shelter around the New York area. I'm Heidi McDonald, the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com.
1: And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm the podcast producer. You can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com.
0: And you can find us on Twitter at P.W. Comics World and online at Publishers Weekly slash comics. Uh, so welcome to more to come. Uh, it's just me and Kate this week. Calvin is off doing something else. I guess he found a better gig, Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that happens sometimes. No, yeah. don't worry, listeners. He has not left PW. He's just no. not on this particular episode of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, he
0: just, he had a conflict and left. It's, and, you know, every once in a while, Kate and I do the Kate and Heidi show. And it's always delightful. Although it's more delightful when we do it in person. But um, this time, virtually, and that's okay. Um, and by the way, if you're enjoying our uh, witty banter, uh, please let us know. Uh, if you can't stand our witty banter, please let us know. Just let us know what you think of this podcast by giving us a rating. You could subscribe to us on iTunes, on all kinds of podcast platforms. But we love to get comments. We love to get ratings. love to get the thumbs up, the thumbs down. Uh, give us some feedback.
1: Absolutely. Um, Unless your feedback is death threats, in which case please don't. But otherwise, yay feedback.
0: Yes. So this week on More to Come, uh, we'll be talking about how the universe goes infinite, even as it ends at DC. IDW is hiring yet more people. Watchmen has scored a bunch of Emmys. And we'll take a look back at what comics looked like back in 1992. A shocking look. And Kay will be here with the briefs. I will indeed. So, anyway, uh, the big news this week, or at least uh, last Friday, or whatever it was, I'm sorry, time becomes very elastic these days, uh, was that DC Universe is no more. Da, 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 da. But it's being arisen as DC Universe Infinite, which is a comics-only platform. Kate, I know you were a subscriber to DC Universe. What what do you make of this?
1: Well, um, to be honest, I haven't tried to see whether my subscription will flip over from one to the other. That's something to poke around and find out. But um, basically, this is kind of what I always wanted, Because the whole DC Universe (laughs) model always struck me as, like, this bizarre hybrid never meant to live. Because I was like, I just don't think that, like, the whole, like, bundle the reading service and the streaming service works great. What I always wanted was something that was the equivalent of um, Marvel Unlimited, where you could read the back issues. Because I'm a DC fan. I like a lot of older stuff. Not everything is in back-issue format available. I mean, not everything is in collected format. And sometimes there are things like the more obscure parts of the original Suicide Squad comic, for example, that you have to dig around in bargain bins for.
0: Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit uh, just, you know, to fill in our listeners in case they aren't aware. Um, you know, DC Universe started – uh i guess a couple years ago again mm-hmm. time flies as kind of a year decent, and a half yes a year and a half it's i i it's right. it was 2 years ago cuz i remember at san diego they had this um, panic room uh, attraction that they were using to promote it and it alarmed me but anyway they launched this as you know the standalone streaming service uh back in the era of the little niche streaming services um now AT&T is bundling everything under HBO Max. So, I mean, everybody pretty much knew the minute that HBO Max was announced that the DC Universe was almost certainly going to be bundled in uh, right. with, with HBO Max.
1: The thing that made it an awkward fit, though, and the reason they had to split it, is that DC Universe was designed to be your one-stop shop for DC entertainment. It not only had, um, you know, movies and... DC television shows and DC animation, it also had um, digital back issues of DC comics, albeit not as many as back issue hoarders like myself were hoping for.
0: Right, um, right. I, yeah. I mean, I, I believe at the time I talked to a couple of writers who were a bit, you know, they thought it was a bit of a thin authoring and just again... For, as you as you mentioned, Kate, uh, you know Marvel has had Marvel Unlimited for since 2007. I mean, this yes. they have this all you can all you can read digital platform. Although it's gone through a couple iterations, but as it exists right now, it is uh, their own, their very own standalone all you can read digital comics platform. I believe it's is it eight dollars a month or ten dollars a month? It's not very much, you know. All things considered, now comics are. Um, embargoed for six months so you know you don't get the new comics for six months so you're six months behind but like you said it has all this back issue content and so i think when when dc universe launched as you mentioned as a portal for all things dc uh the digital comics offerings weren't one of its uh you know marquee products marquee elements right and
1: as somebody who Really does not need another television streaming service. I wasn't that excited about DC Universe as a streaming service because I, I knew that with the video content that the digital comics content would be kind of an afterthought. And right. that was what I actually wanted. I didn't actually want like Oh look, we have our very own talk show just about DC stuff that we put in here in order to have more <laughs> content. Like for I, you, but that's not what I'm looking
0: for. Yeah. And I mean they only produced a few TV shows, but uh you know, some of them did not last like Swamp thing, but some of them were very popular like Doom Patrol uh yeah, and but they are and they're getting HBO Max. They are, are, yes, they're all getting transferred to HBO Max. Uh, including Young Justice, Titans, Doom Patrol, uh, the first season of Stargirl, which a lot of people have loved, and the Harley Quinn cartoon, which everybody loves. Uh, you know, that has been a big, uh, big hit. So, and it has been renewed for a third season, which will be on HBO Max. So, you know, I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, given all the upheaval that DC is going through of late, um, you know, quote, shutting down DC Universe streaming service, seems a bit dire but i i agree i don't i don't think it's actually that bad and uh, you know they're going to have something like 24,000 co- comics yeah 24,000 titles spanning eight decades um there's also going to be some kind of fan community on there and events i guess you know fandom might have been the the um you know pilot yeah, season for this yeah the inspiration was and fandom was a huge success you know the first one was great Like the second one didn't get quite the the, uh, you know, buzz that the first one did. But I will say they had, like, hundreds of hours of, of, you know, about 100 hours of programming on there just for one hour. And it's all available in only for 24 hours. So you couldn't even watch all of it. And I did watch a little bit. It was all very well done, very well produced. And, um, you know, so if they're going to do more stuff like that for uh, DC Universe Infinite, uh, good for them.
1: I have a prediction, Heidi. Yeah. You want to hear my prediction?
0: Uh yes, I, I can't imagine six, what it is.
1: After a six month embargo or maybe a year, I think those panels will come back from digital oblivion.
0: Well, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a a, a different different prediction. I think they'll be there when D C Universe Infinite launches in January oh. because they're gonna wanna have content up there. So you think so, they'll bring it back uh, that
1: early? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Digital content, I was like, yeah, no, you're bringing that back. Come on, guys.
0: Yeah, of course, because it, and a lot of it was more timely, also. I mean, some of it was evergreen content, but yeah, they're gonna bring it back to launch. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope, I hope they do. Like, if you're listening to please, yeah, bring it back because there was, I didn't have the chance to watch it all, and, um, you know, there was some very good stuff there, and certainly, You know, this does open up to wider questions of what the hell is happening at DC. You know, on our last episode, I remember Calvin and I got into a little bit of a kerfuffle or, you know, a loud argument about whether DC was abandoning print or not, which I'm not saying they're abandoning print, but I'm just saying they're certainly, you know. Focus on digital content. They're prioritizing digital and DC Universe Infinite absolutely is part of that push as well. Um, you know, we've talked about Daniel Cherry, who is their, their new general manager and he's a guy from eSports, which is pretty digital. And um, so, you know, there's uh, on digital is hot at DC. I've heard DC digital comics. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: just so you can have some comparison, um, DC Universe Infinite is going to have twenty-four thousand digital comics. Marvel Digital Unlimited, um, according to Publishers Weekly's latest article on the subject, currently has access to twenty seven thousand digital titles. Um, it charges nine ninety nine per month. And DC Universe Infinite is going to charge seven ninety nine a month. So mm-hmm.
0: there you go. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty decent uh, you know, it's a pretty reasonable yeah. um amount, I think. it really is because you know
1: if there's something you want to read like you can just subscribe for a month and it'll still be cheaper than buying a giant pile of trades if you don't plan on rereading them 27 times
0: right exactly um so uh yeah i mean it's certainly and i mentioned this a few times on on the beat when i talked about dc's digital strategy um you know, bringing back all these comics is really great. Now, you know, an interesting thing about DC Universe Unlimited, or Infinite, pardon me, not Unlimited, do not use that word for DC, <laughs> Um is that I got the press release, and nowhere in the press release did it call it DC Entertainment, or DC Comics, it just called it DC. So, you know, the branders, the branding elves are at work, hard at work in the night, uh, you know, fixing up all things DC, and, uh, there's, you know, which to, to me, all the things that I've seen are, pers- you know, they want DC to be Marvel, including it not being Marvel Comics, you know, uh-huh. it's not being DC Comics anymore. It's just DC. And having all of this material online and available for people to read, that has all the characters in it that you might want to exploit for uh, a movie or a cartoon or something. It's very, very handy. You know, like it's a really cheap way to keep that IP alive and out there.
1: Yeah, and I do wonder if they're going to, I could be wrong, but if they're going to um, do what Marvel does and, you know, have sometimes limited access to a pile of the stuff on there when a relevant movie comes out for free. Like, you know, maybe they'll have a couple... Digital trades available for a week or two for free access on uh, Marvel Digital Unlimited when a relevant movie comes out, for example, or and then that'll come with like a little like bonus uh, two dollars off your first two months kind of deal if you want to go right. pro. Um, so you know it makes it easier to monetize um, new readers. From movies or television, because mm-hmm. you can put that offer out there right. that they can try, right?
0: And it you doesn't require anyone
1: to go to a comic store,
0: right? Or- and you know that's absolutely right, Kate. And you know what? That I hadn't actually thought of it in those terms, but boy, that is huge, you know. And Marvel has been trying this; they've been dabbling with this because, but you know, they probably tried it way back in the day when when Mar- the MCU was so young. And they were, uh you know, just launching Marvel Unlimited because I remember they would do like a digital follow-up comic to some of the movies. And I, I remember they did a digital Iron Man comic and um some yeah. other, some other as, ones.
1: As far as I know, they don't do that anymore. But what they do is they bundle together a bunch of relevant comics they think
0: would yes. be
1: interesting to someone after the movie. Um, and frankly, those digital spin-off comics weren't very good.
0: Um, yeah, right, so, they were pretty, they were pretty tossed off, so.
1: Yeah. Um, Which is
0: the wrong I, strategy to me, but hey, I don't run Marvel Comics, so.
1: Right, but they're not, I think they got a strategy down, I think it's a fairly decent one, of, you know, hyping up Marvel Digital Unlimited after a movie comes out, you know, making it easy for people to find a bundle of relevant back issues or digital trades, and, you know, just sort of, getting people psyched to read about Ms. Marvel, who used to be Ms. Marvel, and now she's Captain Marvel, for example. Right. Right. Or, like, here's all the Guardians of the Galaxy you could ever want for one low, low price per month.
0: That's correct. So, yeah, you know, um, uh, probably a pretty smart... Smart idea, actually. Yeah. So, uh, just to get all these comics out there, and you know, like you say, it's good for you. You will enjoy it, and so will many other DC fans. But, but you know, there's a lot more to come with where yes. DC is going, with all of its changes. There's a lot of other rumors out there about what's going on, and uh, I haven't had a chance to track them down. So, I'll I'll keep mum for now. But yeah, more to come. Definitely more to come. Yeah. So let's see. What is I was trying to find, well, I I was trying to find I you know Daniel Cherry the new general manager did make a statement. He made a statement on LinkedIn but I can't find it. So uh probably we'll talk about that next. But it was it wasn't anything other than it's pretty anodyne, but uh you know, I call it Kremlinology. It's like, you know, I, 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 I a lot of us just love reading every little thing into everything that DC does since they're so um you know, especially now hushed up. Like, AT&T is really not big on anybody doing an interview. So, although Jim Lee did do a panel at uh FanDome Part 2 where he said 5G is dead. He had, he said that he came out and, you know, some fan asked about 5G. And he said, nope, that's not going to happen. Apparently, all the material that had been uh, in the works enough so that they – they couldn't just cancel it as being repurposed at DC.
1: Yeah, they're bundling it off into each into their own separate storyline. Just just use it as a comic. There is yeah. no event.
0: Yeah, there is no so it's farewell 5G. You were a hell of an idea, I guess. Uh, um, and I we never won't even knew what, you. And we we didn't even we hardly knew you because we, we didn't know you knew. at all. We didn't know. So we've been talking a lot about IDW over the last few months actually they've been making a lot of moves and they've made more moves they've hired more people. Um I don't let's see. I have I don't think we even mentioned that they hired uh Blake Kobashigawa, formerly of DC to be their new VP of marketing. Uh of course we did mention they hired Nachi Marsham as a new publisher, but now they've hired uh, yeah, so uh, he, let's see, Bruce Strum is joining us, the newly appointed vice president of Kids, Family, and Animation, where he will oversee the development and production of a growing slate of live-action and animated projects, drama, and comedy, based on graphic novels, prose, and other source material. And now they have a new director of animation, and Turner, who will be the senior editor of original content, where she'll focus on the development and acquisition of original IP, particularly in the categories of kids, middle grade, and young adults. So, yes, kids are king. Uh, at, uh, you know, everybody, we, we just, you didn't get, I, I think the story was not on our story list, but um, Dog Man was the number one book. Not um, comic book, not kids book, but the number one book. Uh, the week it launched and, uh, that it beat all of the Trump memoirs. It even beat Stephanie Meyer. So, you know, Dogman is huge and everybody's chasing that Dogman dollar.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you hear the old, comics aren't just for kids anymore. And now it's, no, wait, comics are for kids too. Um, kids, give us your money.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to Marissa Stodder, who's also promoted at IDW, and Marissa is the director of the movie She Makes Comics, which, uh, spoiler, I am in, or, you know, a uh, declaration of conflict of interest. I am in She Makes Comics. It's a wonderful documentary about women in comics, and uh, so Marissa's just been also boosted in uh, all these changes at IDW, so congrats to Marissa. She's awesome. Um so. Absolutely. Let's see what else we're going to have. Okay. Uh Well, you know, going back to DC, I guess HBO Max has got a little feather in his crown, um, because Watchmen won 11 Emmys.
1: Well, I mean, not just HBO Max, but HBO Mm -hmm. as well.
0: Well, HBO is HBO Max now, kind of, but yeah. Yeah.
1: It started on the TV, and if, say, next season we're only on HBO Max... We'll we'll see. It's not TV. It's definitely not TV now. It's your HBO Max app. But back to what we were originally saying about congrats to, you know, Watchmen and everyone involved.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was a huge win. Of course, Regina King won for uh, Best Actress. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II won for, uh, I'd say, Sporting Actor, um, and Damon Lindelof won for writing and he took a big old victory lap, which, um, you know, good for him. Uh, he, um, wasn't a big believer in Damon Lindelof, but I guess I got to give him props for making Watchmen really one of the most provocative and fascinating TV shows uh, of recent years, and certainly, you know, was right ahead of our, the conversation that we're having now—the much-needed conversation we're having now about race in America. Uh, Watchmen really was was talking about it before it was uh, everybody else was. So, so props to them about that.
1: Okay, so I mean, points to everyone who thought that we should take Watchmen in this particular direction. I think is much more successful than certain spin-off comics. Um, and, you know, points to people who made it happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry I keep bringing up my other podcasts, but, um, I, I, you know, we did every week on my Comic Beat Insider live stream, we talk about a movie or TV show or sometimes comics, and we did a whole episode about Watchmen. And I I find that, you know, I really wish – Alan Moore could watch Watchmen and enjoy it. And I think that some, in a different universe, in a different time stream for Dr. Manhattan, he would enjoy it and would uh, recognize uh, that it's respect. It's, it's totally respecting of his work. And, um, you know, Damon loved did thank Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons when he won for best TV show. Or for best limited series, pardon me, which I thought was cool. You know, Alan Moore doesn't want his name associated with Watchmen anymore, but you know, it was it was in the moment. So,
1: yeah. And furthermore, I mean, I think it arguably it would have been poor sportsmanship to just pretend Alan Moore doesn't exist.
0: So, do you, Kate? Do you think that um do you think Alan Moore would like the Watchmen TV show if he watched it?
1: I think if Alan Moore were ever ever capable of letting anything go, ever, he would. But, is Alan Moore,
0: enough mm-hmm. said? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't, uh, well, does he watch TV or not? He has mentioned some TV shows that he watches. I think he does watch TV. So, you know, who knows? It might accidentally come on, and he would, wouldn't know it, and, you know, he'd be delighted. But, no, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think um, that'll happen.
1: I think even if he watched it, like, he's just rage at his entire copyright situation, which, I mean, is understandable, would would just be too much of a filter. He wouldn't be able to get past it.
0: Right. Now, I heard the beep that time, and it wasn't me.
1: No, that was a different beep. That was my beep.
0: Okay. All right. Sorry, listeners. There was some beeping. We We heard it. It's okay. All right. So, uh, anyway, congrats to Damon Lindelof, Regina, Yaya, everybody else. Gene uh, Smart, she was so awesome. Everybody else on uh, Watchmen, you did it. Uh, I never thought I'd say that, but you did it. So, speaking of looking back to comics, old-timey, wimey comics. Uh, so, I had occasion recently to, I, a photo came across my desk from 1992 of uh, the IC- well, what wasn't ICV-2 then. It was Capital City. when there was more than one comic distributor then, as there is now, uh, 28 years difference. But it was the Capital City Conference, uh, which is a roundtable of high-level industry executives. So I, and the, I saw a photo of it, and it jogged my memory, Kate, because I remember seeing this photo 28 years ago and becoming enraged because it was all white men, all sort of middle-aged white men, and uh, so I wrote a big piece about this for the beat, you know, of looking at this and and uh, hoping that comic, you know, noting that perhaps this is why the '90s were a nader of sales for comics after the Image and Jim Lee explosions, but you know, then they cratered, and perhaps it was this limitation of of the audience that, as evidenced by the people making the comics, that might have led to some of that sales decline, and perhaps it was the addition of women and as we just talked about children as readers that might have led to the increasing fortunes of the comics industry.
1: Yeah, I mean women and children have read comics all along, but oh, I don't know, having reading material that once again acknowledged their presence probably helped.
0: Yeah. So, uh yeah, I mean, did you see the photo?
1: It is very, very old school. It's so old school that when you read that it's 1994, you're like, really?
0: <laughs> well, there was a lot of people. Uh, there, was, there. Some are still in the industry. Uh, let's see, like Paul Levitz is there, the late Will Eisner. Uh, there were some creators, Mike Richardson, head of Dark Horse, Um, uh, Milton Greep, who, as I mentioned, now runs ICV2 and is a friend of this podcast. And, you know, as I said, you know, I hate, I don't hate the play, I hate the game. Uh, Dennis Kitchen, publisher, Chris Claremont, he still writes a comic now and then, Mike Martins, uh, Richard PD, and Chuck Rosansky, who actually posted this photo. And it's funny because Chuck, uh, put this on his Facebook page about what a great day, talking about how great it was, you know, to be with his colleagues back in the day. And then I put, you know, but there wasn't any women and I was very mad about that then. And and then Chuck, who I is amazing. He's just an incredible person. He says, I guess you're right. And then it was, that was kind of the whole, nobody else said anything about it, which kind of, (laughs) um, uh, so that's why I got even more, uh, you know, I wrote this whole diatribe about this photo and what it represented to me because this photo was really one of the, um, or this conference at the time was definitely one of the inspirations for founding friends of Lulu, which was a women's organization, uh, an organization for women in comics that we incorporated, I think in 1994, because we had our 25th anniversary panel last year. at San Diego, And, uh, but I remember seeing this conference with all the men, no, and all white men, by the way, just to make clear. And, uh-huh. um, uh, me and my friends were just like, is this true? Is there no women who would even be able to speak in such a conference? And <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well, anyway, it
1: depends so- on your definition of able to speak at such a conference. Were there women in comics whose contributions would have benefited such a conference? Absolutely. Would they have been yeah. invited? Apparently not.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I gave the keynote speech at ProCon a few years later. Uh You, you know, I mean, I was def- definitely uh asked to do, to speak at later conferences. I mean, this one conference was so, such a sausage fest. I'm sorry. Uh and, and there were other ones that, I mean, it was almost just aggressively, you know, that it had to really go out of its way to be so... So undiverse. You know, Milton sent me a link to his very first ICV conference in 2006, which was held at the first New York Comic Con. So this is after Uh Capital City went away. He started ICV2, kind of carried on some of the publication. And it, you know, it was much better. It had five women, uh, one Asian, including one Asian woman and three, uh, african-american men so out of uh one two three about not the same number about 25 people so you know and our own calvin in fact was one of the moderators at that first icv2 conference oh, were you, calvin. you yeah you weren't there right kate i don't think you'd started no, working with us. no but.
1: i wasn't i wasn't with you guys for a few years yet
0: uh were you at the first new york comic-con
1: was i at the first new york comic-con you know it's a funny thing I can't recall. Funny? I feel like I might not have been there until the second year.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think I was there until 2007. Oh, you missed a very memorable, a very memorable because, event.
1: Uh. Because I wasn't living in New York at that time. Um, ah. So it would have been a journey. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think I was at New York Comic Con until next year, because that was still at the time when um, the big con was Wizard World Philly. Um, mm. New York Comic Con ate that market, like, immediately. But I didn't have the memo. I was like, oh, another con in New York. I wonder why all the cons in New York are crappy. And then New York Comic Con happened, and I was like, oh, it's not crappy. Right. And then I went. Well,
0: there. yeah, I mean, cons in new york had a terrible reputation in 2006 and there wasn't really a big show that rivaled the chicago big chicago show or the big Mm -mm. san diego show obviously there wasn't even one
1: that riff that that rivaled one in philadelphia
0: no that was definitely the biggest show on the east coast yeah for sure and Um, nobody believed that new york comic-con would be a success and instead so many people came that it was like One of the most dangerous fire marshals shut it down right away, gods of all time.
1: Yeah, so background listeners, I went to college in Yonkers and I was a comics fan even then. And like I made a good faith attempt many times during college to like go to what I would think would be a New York comic convention. And um, while some of the comics festivals, while tiny, were nice, um, the comics conventions were disappointing. The only good thing about them was uh, once I got my Man from Uncle t-shirt signed <laughs> by one of the lead actors, who looked very bored and unhappy.
0: Um mm. Yeah, those are scarring experiences.
1: Yeah, and it was just like, it was just not good. So I just gotten into the habit of Wizard World Philly, and that was it. And then first year New York Comic Con, yeah, I just blew it off because I didn't know it would be good. And then we all learned it was amazing, and after that I would go.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I was a consultant on the first New York Comic Con, and I helped put together some of the contents and, you know, some of the aspects of the show I helped with. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel like my little baby uh, became Absolutely. a big, a big baby. It wasn't really my yep. little baby. I was just a consultant on it, but uh, yes. as we, was Calvin.
1: But we had a, a uh, connection to it back yeah. once upon a time. listeners. these days Publishers Weekly once again stands proud and free and all on its own as a freestanding company, but for a while there it was owned by Reed Publications, which is owned by the same company as that's, Reed Pop.
0: That's right. That's right. Yes, we were. And that's
1: how you guys got brought in on it.
0: Yes, that's right. It was, um, uh, yeah, well, you know, all in the family. And, uh, and look at her now, all grown up. Remember him? Yep. <laughs> So, well, you know, we had uh, actually, I mean, New York is doing, uh, this year's New York Comic Con, of course, will be virtual. And they've announced that it will be Metaverse. I wrote a big story, actually, about Metaverse for Publishers Weekly. Um, and they are trying to make the panels a little slicker. So I've already, so I, I can't say any more than this, but I've already recorded one of my panels for New York Comic Con. And uh a, yeah and i will say that they definitely are doing uh a bit more to spruce up the whole zoom cast kind of thing um which i for one think is amazing and really needed so um so yeah props to them and i mean i'm looking forward to to seeing some of the rest of the the programming they have a you know great lineup uh but i will say i sure i'm going to miss new york comic con Kate. Okay?
1: Yeah, well, I have, I have some very conflicted feelings. New York Comic Con is my home con. New York Comic Con is a event in my year that I structure my year around. I think New York Comic Con is to me what San Diego is to Calvin and Heidi. Um, and not just going, but you know, running the booth and, and yeah. meeting up with our listeners is very special and important. And by the way. If you listen to us and you happen to see us at the convention next year, um, say hi. Let us know you listen. Tell us what you think. Say, hey, you need to review more Eurocomics or whatever your opinion is. Let us know. Um, but it's, it's a big thing. I really love running the table. I love seeing you guys. And I love being at New York Comic Con. But at the same time, like, it's just such a massive show. That to be there and to run a booth is just—it's like running a marathon. Oh, yeah. So this year I'm going to rest up from that marathon and come back stronger than ever next year.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm—I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering when cons do come back if, uh, yeah, if I will be still in fighting shape for them or whether this time off I will have gone soft, you know, and lost my con stamina. Oh, uh, Heidi, we can get words. you
1: back in training.
0: We'll start you <laughs> off
1: on some of the smaller cons. Yeah, I do wonder if the smaller cons come back first. I really right.
0: do Well, speaking of cons coming back, um, uh, Angoulême, uh, the festival, uh, uh, Ben-Decine d'Angoulême, uh, announced this week that their event's normally held at the end of January. Now, France, where Angoulême is located, in case you did not know, is, has been you know, crushed their COVID levels over the summer as all places that made people wear masks did. Places that didn't make people wear masks all had very high rates of COVID. Interestingly, very interesting mm. correlation there. I'm sarcastic by the way, wear a mask, please. Um, so they had crushed the rates, but then they started to open up again. Now you could have a gathering of as many as 5,000 people in France. Um, I believe they've had some sporting events. And so, which oh, is very important of course the football but uh unfortunately rates are soaring again in France and as you know things open up uh, this is really what we're seeing uh they're also soaring in Spain and even in Germany they're ticking upwards so anyway uh being able to hold uh the Angoulême festival at the end of January looks a little dicey so they announced that they will be holding two events this year The first event will be on the original dates at the end of January, but it wasn't quite clear on what it would be. They didn't say it would be a virtual event. It might be like a local meeting of the people or, you know, some local comics folks meeting up. There might be an actual in-person component, but it's not going to be the fifty to 100,000 people who show up for the normal festival. However, they're hoping that over spring or summer, they will be able to hold an in-person full service Angulam Comics Festival. So I certainly hope so. Uh, to have, you know, something coming back would be so exciting.
1: Yeah, I wonder if, if they decide to do a partially digital schedule of events. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Um, if they'll have subtitles for those. That could be cool.
0: It's funny you say that, Kate, because, uh, you know, I attended the – 2020, Angoulême, seems like the last time I left the house, basically, but um, which was a light highlight, you know, of the year, uh, and really one of the best times I've ever had, and it was definitely more international than I've seen it before. There were translations for some of the business panels, and there was an attempt at uh, some bilinguals, so that would be great. So, Angoulême, if you're listening, uh, please consider having subtitles for some of your panels or english language versions of it. Uh you know I got the press release for this in there was french but then there was an english translation below uh that was a little hard to understand but it was not english. So that's that's pretty big for them. Usually when the PR goes out it's all en français. And um so uh yeah. It Dang didn't I have changed. that look
1: of machine translation. Um <laughs> but we appreciate it. We do. Yes. I'm because not, it's better I, than a, our French.
0: Well, that is so true. Say right. But I will, uh, there's a lot I could say, but I'm not going to say it. So anyway, I, we're definitely uh, looking forward to that. But, you know, getting back to New York Comic Con, uh, like you say, it's your hometown show and you work so hard. And, you know, fall is my favorite time of year by far. And October Usually as we enter October, we're just gearing up for New York Comic Con, the excitement of seeing everybody, of the incredible socializing. Like New York Comic Con is absolutely the number one socializing show of the year. Um, You know, epic marathons of socializing. And just getting ready for that. And then when it's over, you're sliding right into Halloween. It's just its the best. Uh, but not in 2020, of course. It's not the worst, but it's just not, it's not the same. And. It's not the same. No. And, uh, you know, the weather's cooling down, which I'm enjoying. So I'll, I'll walk around and, uh, you know, think of the epic, epic parties of, uh, of yore. And, you know, we'll be back someday. We'll be back for sure. But boy, I'm, I'm going to miss seeing everybody this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, when it comes back, we'll be glad to have it back. But I I do honestly think that <sighs> New York Comic Con and San Diego and things like that, to be absolutely honest, much as I don't want this to be the case, should probably be like the very last things to come back, like maybe even more than sporting events because everyone's not only like tightly packed but you know walking past each other packed tightly on the floor so it's as if it's as if you know you're sitting as tightly as you are in a stadium but the people sitting next to you change every 3 minutes
0: well it's true people don't say oh i went to the ball game and i got sick you know you people don't say, say that you know i i was, i will go to mets games god god help me uh, i go to 3 or 4 mets games a year and, and I don't get think about, oh, I'm going to get sick when I go to City Field. You know, number one, you're outside. You're outside, so that's a big thing. But, yeah. But you
1: you don't really get sick when you go to the movie theater.
0: No, nobody says, oh, I got sick at the movie theater. However, we always talk about getting sick at the con.
1: Con crud. It's a thing.
0: Yeah, it's a very real thing. And whether it is the summer con... The spring, fall, or winter con, but especially doesn't matter winter con. what scene it is, yeah,
1: what season it is, it, you know, con crud is eternal, and you don't even need a big con for it. Like in even fact, small cons have con
0: crud, absolutely. And you know, in fact, the New York Comic Con used to be held in February. The first three, I think it was the first three were held in February, but one was held in April. Anyway, it used to be held at the beginning of the year, and then they moved to the fall, but there was like a big interregnum of 18 months without a New York Comic-Con. So anyway, it's had this interesting timing. But the one thing about when it was in February was I got sick as a dog every year. I got bronchitis. I remember it would just be like, okay, I'm going to New York Comic-Con. I'm going to get sick. And in fact, one year I lost my voice and I was walking around on the floor, and they had a Starbucks booth, and they were giving away this berry this berry hot berry it was like hot juice basically, and it was mm-hmm. the one thing that made me feel better when I had bronchitis. I was chugging the hot juice for as much as I could, but then they they stopped selling the hot juice, so you know, bring back hot juice, Starbucks it was good.
1: yes, well you know heidi you can get you can get hot apple juice there
0: still. Ah, hot cider. Yeah, that's called hot cider, sure. Yes, yeah, but they I do mean, it's not that.
1: really cider. I'm sorry. I'm a Pennsylvanian. I'm a cider snob. Um, mm-hmm. What they sell at Starbucks is not cider. It's juice. Yeah. But it's yeah. hot.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That's also very good if you have uh, con crud, which uh hopefully we will not have. Well, we can't get it because there aren't any cons. So, yeah. <laughs> But I do wonder anyway.
1: if cons in future, if like, Part of people's traditional con gear will be like, do I have my con bag? Yes. Do I have my cosplay? Yes. Do I have my face mask and hand sanitizer? Yes.
0: So I've seen more and more people wearing masks at cons. Now, it's not a huge number, but in Asia, it's quite common to wear masks at conventions. And in Asia, mask wearing is considered, um, it's something that you do like not. Like carrying Kleenex, you can you know blow your nose, yeah. and so I've noticed especially you know anime fans have taken to wearing uh masks at shows, and yes, Kate, I think when cons come back, you will see everybody used hand sanitizer. I will say everybody over the past few years just carries their hand sanitizer at cons and use it all the time, but I would not be at all surprised if mask wearing became very, very common at at cons uh after this. And, you know, some cosplay already includes a lot of masks.
1: Yeah, people will just find new ways to bundle it in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, and and they're already used to wearing masks. So, you know, yeah, yes. Anyway, uh, that's about all we have for news. It wasn't really a big news week this week. But, Kate, don't you have some briefs?
1: We do have some briefs. Some are happier briefs than others. So, um, for one thing. We have some well good news first or bad news first. What do you think? good or bad do, news,
0: and end on a happy note, End on a happy note okay, happy
1: I've notes. got a couple of happy notes and one bad note um so Stumptown, the um claimed, beloved, and fairly well rated uh television interpretation of the graphic novel, has been cancelled. Because, unfortunately, the pandemic has just made filming and filming scheduling and budgets too difficult. So it uh, is no more. And probably it is, as far as we know, the first of of maybe many um, comic adaptations that unexpectedly get the axe when originally they were planned to be renewed. Yeah, Uh,
0: well, we've seen some get at the axe that wasn't because of COVID. Uh, yeah. like like your favorite vagrant queen. But yeah, um
1: but that that was normal getting the axe. This yeah. is COVID axe. COVID uh, axe, yeah. But on better news, um Tatiana Masolani, well known for being pretty much most of the interesting characters on Orphan Black, is going to be playing She Hulk. This is one of those bits of, like, unexpected casting that, like, you would never have thought of it. But when you hear it, personally, it works for me. Um, She will be playing the um, wisecracking, lovable, feminist, rage-filled lawyer superhero She-Hulk for Marvel. And we look forward to this very much unfortunately, it's going to be on Disney Plus, not the big screen. But on the
0: upside, that
1: means we get more Tatiana Maslany. So, you know. Yeah, you know, you know speaking I mean, of which, not...
0: yeah, did you see the WandaVision trailer, Kate?
1: I saw the first one. I didn't see the newest one.
0: the the, oh, the one that was during the Emmys you didn't see? No, because I did not watch the Emmys. Oh, well, it's been all over YouTube. It's had like five million views. I mean, millions and millions of views, hundreds of millions of views. But one of them is you. That's I'm not one of them. So. All right, that's okay. All right, I was gonna get. Uh, it got a lot of people all ginned up. I'll tell you that. It got people pretty excited. So. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: you know, hey, more comics TV is not a bad thing at this time because. Yeah. We were at kind of a point of maybe peak, maybe maybe too too much comics television, mm-hmm. uh, for a while there, but now with. The pandemic, I don't think we're gonna have that problem for a while. So.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, but also, uh, it has 12, 12 million views, but, uh, it's the first actual MCU. New content in a long time, and also Black Widow got pushed to 2021. So, uh, I'm, you know, Eternals has already been pushed. So that, that was to be my jam. I, I know I've been talking about Eternals for years, and that was I was going to open just before my birthday in November. And I was like, oh, if I survive the election, my reward will be I get to see the Eternals. But no, so anyway, well,
1: it'll still be your reward for surviving the election, Heidi. It'll just be a delayed reward.
0: Yeah, well, that's a long time. I might have a cookie before that as a reward so well have both
1: (laughs) so um, in other news of the positive variety but on the other side of the world one piece is getting a spinoff so um, Ichiro Oda who creates the original manga is not going to be doing the spinoff uh instead it will be headed up by Ryo Ishiyama and Bochi um and it is based on the novelization One Piece episode A sorry the manga is One Piece episode A and it will be based on novelization One Piece novel A <laughs>
0: um
1: my mistake so it's going to be um serialized, just like One Piece is, and um, it is coming out regularly. It's going to be, uh the first issue is going to be 54 pages with three color pages. So, mm. you know, big, double-sized premiere. So, One Piece fans, there will definitely be more to come on this.
0: There will be two pieces.
1: Yes. Two, one, pieces. That math doesn't work, but um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure it out, people. Um, and also, if you happen to read The Economist, dear readers, or if you don't read The Economist, so you haven't used up your free, I- free issues for the month, um, Google EC Comics in The Economist because they have a loving and long tribute to the golden age of EC Comics. Um, it's it's not the sort of thing usually uh, featured in The Economist, which is a very serious global events type magazine, but um, it is a loving tribute and it is, you know, perhaps uh, a long-deserved recognition. And, All right. And with that note, um, there will be more to come.
0: There will be, indeed. So, well, we look forward to having the third member of our trio back. It's just not the same when Calvin isn't here. But, it uh, is I always, not here but definitely not. But I enjoy doing a show with you also, Kate. It's always fun uh, when we get to solo or duo. It's a duet. <laughs> <laughs> a duet this time out. Um, and certainly – There will be more to come.